Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Roto-World Football Podcast. As you know, the most important podcast in the universe. I am, as always, Josh Norris, and I want to thank our podcast producer, Josh Norris, for this episode. Uh, we are here for week eight. Gosh, week eight. It's fantastic. It's flying by, and I absolutely love it. Thank you for tuning in this past Sunday for Roto World Live every Sunday, noon Eastern, helping you set your optimal lineup with the entire football crew, minus Nick Minzio. I should probably point that out because I forgot to last week. Also, this very podcast, you have this episode today, Tuesday, just in, to remind you that it is Tuesday. Also on Thursdays and Fridays. And without further ado, I want to bring on the top guest we have every single Tuesday on this episode. His name is Ray Summerlin, and Ray Summerlin writes the waiver piece over at rotoworld.com. Ray, my question to you, because we can't start this off any other way. You are a movie viewer. Let's put it that way. What is... <laughs> Who's not a movie viewer? I, I don't really watch movies during football season. Like I, I haven't seen movies in forever. I, I just watched Logan like two weeks ago for the first time. Ooh, that was a good one though, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it was good, but I feel like I'm just six months late in everything. My yeah. question to you is this. What is the best and what is the worst sports movie you have seen Ooh, sports movies yeah that's really tough because my favorite sports movies probably aren't the best like mm-hmm. i love the replacements really? i absolutely love the replacements i think it's hilarious i it's one of those dumb movies that i absolutely love but it's not a the best sports movie it's not even close to the best sports movie so that one so that one's there. I guess I'll be I guess I'll be cliche and go with Hoosiers. I think Hoosiers is very good. It's a quality movie. The worst sports movie. Hmm. Let's think. Legend of Bagger Vance. Is that the worst one? I feel like it's always replayed on the golf channel, which is on yeah. at work all the time. So it, it yeah. always pops up. Uh Ray, I have to admit that I have never seen Hoosiers. And that I've probably only seen the replacements once, and it was the first time I watched it. But I, I, I just have like this soft spot for like all those sports movies that came out when I was a kid, like yeah. uh, Little Giants. Like uh, Little Giants is Icebox, just yes. perfect. Like, I love like, Little like Giants. the Big Green. Do you remember that one? Big Green was great. They were all in that. They were all in that range. Like Angels in the Outfield was in that yep. range as yep. well. Uh, I, I even loved. Well, not loved, but saw way more often than I should have, like the Air Bud movies. 
Yeah, I, I can't say that I ever got to those, but uh, but yeah, that that was part of the time. Yeah. Yes, yes. So I, I think the nostalgia factor is high for any sports movie, just because you know most of them side on one end of the spectrum, and that's the bad end. Uh, all right, tell us your favorite sports movies if you want to, or least favorite, because some of them absolutely suck. In the review section of this podcast, if you want to review it, and if not, just subscribe. That's nice to do as well. All right, Ray, let's get into these waivers. Um, Marshawn Lynch is suspended. He has plenty of time to watch some movies this week. And we have DeAndre Washington. We have Jim Richard to pick up the pieces. Ray, I was excited about DeAndre Washington heading into the season, but it just didn't have a role. What should we expect from that duo this week? Well, you know, we, we think they're suspended. We're recording this on a Monday and we think that Marshawn Lynch is going to be suspended, but he, he seems to have something of a case being as though, you know, as he argues, several players bump referees last year and, and were not suspended for it. Of course, he came off the sideline. So I don't I don't know what's going to happen. But under the assumption that he's suspended, you're right, we have two options there and Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington. And it really looks like this is going to be a straight committee. After Lynch left on Thursday night, Richard saw the most snaps, but Washington only played three fewer. He was in the game at the goal line, got the goal line touchdown, converted from four yards out. Richard was more successful in the passing game, but Washington had just as many targets, ran basically the same number of routes. This looks like it's going to be a a clear committee. And I mean, this is not a great matchup they have this week on the road against the Bills. It's just, it. I'm not that excited about either of these players. I think they're going to be kind of in that, that running back 30 range right in that area. And that's obviously worth picking up in all leagues. That's somebody that you could put into onto your, you know, into your starting lineup in a one of our first big buys with six teams on buy. But I just they're not a long-term addition. They're not going to have that big of a role whenever or at least a fantasy worthy role once Marshawn Lynch comes back. So I'm not too terribly excited, but I, I'm kind of valuing him that way. We brought up Marlon Mack's name for multiple weeks on this very podcast. It was cloudy, you know, in terms of him getting touches, obviously behind Frank Gore. At some point, was somewhat behind Robert Turbin. Now that Turbo is out of the picture, Marlon Mack just keeps making things happen with limited touches that he gets. Ray, what should we, or how should we view Marlon Mack? Well, I think the most promising thing was his snap share. He played 48% of the snaps. Wow, was that high? Wow. He played 10 more snaps than Frank Gore overall, a lot of that coming in the second half. And he seemed to step right into that passing game role, which is where Robert Turbin had been operating. One of the reasons I was not perhaps as excited last week, even after Robert Turbin you know, left with, with his season-ending elbow injury, was that I wasn't sure if they trusted Mac in that passing game role. And I, we still haven't seen what's going to happen if they, you know, if they get into a short yardage situation, which is another place that Turbin earned value. But it certainly seems like Mac's going to have that role. He saw six targets. He dropped two of them, just pure straight drops. But he also flashed his big playability, turned a, you know, a short little kind of swing pass off the left side into a 34-yard gain. I still worry that Mac is not going to get enough consistent work to be a consistent fantasy option, yeah. but he has that big playability that means that any given week, even on limited touches, he could turn it into a turn it into a good fantasy week. And the Colts have reason to see what he can do with you know Andrew Luck 
nowhere close to return, season circling the drain. They should at least see what they have in him. So I think he's the number one ad this week. He's still out there in 60% wow. of leagues. So he's, he's out there in a lot of leagues. It's not a great week, but I still think that he's the number one ad, and, and we'll kind of see where this goes. Yeah, and Tim Big plays, right? Like, this is the time of year that hopefully your starting lineup is somewhat set. Obviously, the buys come in and change things up a bit week to week. But at the end of your bench, add upside players. And we'll talk about a few more as we go along. How is Deion Lewis still not 50% owned? He, Yeah, he's only he's less owned than Marlon Mack. He's available Crazy. in 71% of, of Yahoo leagues. I think there's some trepidation because of this kind of four-headed monster of a backfield, and I understand that completely. But even with that, I mean, Lewis seems to be emerging as a usable option. He has at least nine touches in each of his last three games. He's averaged 66 total yards in those three contests. He has four attempts inside the red zone, including three inside the 10 over that span. So he's getting the work that you want there in the red zone near the end zone. It would be good to see him more involved in the passing game. It doesn't look like that's going to happen with James White there. But he's already proven he can be a viable fantasy starter on limited touches with the Patriots. We've already seen that from Deion Lewis. And he seems to be getting more and more work every week. I think he needs to be owned in, in every league. And I guess you could you could make a case for him ahead of Mac. I think yeah. that kind of that with Rex Burkhead coming back, that kind of timeshare maybe puts him below Mac for me. But yeah, he's he's right up there as you know, one of the top ads of the week. Yeah, and when in doubt, side with the offense that has Tom Brady at quarterback. There you go. Once yeah, again, that, that's a very good point. Yeah. As the train goes by. Uh let's go to wide receivers. I mean, it feels like this position is like thinner more so than than usual, not even just at the wide receiver two or three position, but also as we get deeper and deeper into it. Um Golden Tate is dealing with an injury, correct? Um, yeah. Marvin Jones is being pressed by non-press corners in the NFL. He's put up points. I don't know if you ever go check out Next Gen Stats, but he is like he has the smallest cushion. Let's put it that way, yeah. and it's just because even non-press corners are saying let's press him because he just can't get off of it. So this whole conversation now leads to Ray. What do we do about the other wide receiver across from? It? Could it be Kenny Galladay coming off injury, or are we even interested in someone else? Well, I think that Galladay is the is the option because before his injury, he was working ahead of TJ Jones, who would be the other option. And it looks like he's going to play this week. He practiced on Monday, at least got in some work on Monday. And I think that he's going to be the option. But I, I, you make an interesting point, or you raise an interesting point, that th- it's not guaranteed that Galladay is going to be the guy. TJ Jones has more experience in the slot where you know Golden Tate has been operating he saw nine targets against the Saints, so he he came in and saw that work. He wasn't particularly good with them, but he saw those targets. And I mean, Galladay has been missing time with this kind of lingering hamstring injury, so it's not 100% that he even plays this week, or if he plays this week, that he is you know 100% healthy and effective. So I think that Galladay is the best option. In fact, among receivers, like you mentioned, receiver is just not great at this point. Among receiver, he's probably the number one option this week, yeah. but... I think there is some, if you're in a deeper league and you, you want to take a shot on somebody, I, I think that TJ Jones is a, is a pretty good idea. Interesting. And I have to throw in his name, Ted Ginn, because he had another very good week, uh, but yeah, he he's did. 51% owned. So just 1%, 1% too high. I think that 1% ownership is me in every single league. So that <laughs> takes him out of your waiver column. Uh, let's go to another upside player. You mentioned Kenny Galladay. How about... Corey Davis, who's also coming back from an injury. Corey Davis, top five pick, I believe, if, if I'm remembering that correctly. Or was he top seven? Anyways, one of the two. And Corey Davis, uh, look, despite the Titans coming off a matchup, 
that should have been perfect for passing points, they put up very few. Many missed opportunities with Delaney Walker. Eric Decker didn't see a single catch in that game. Corey Davis looked great early on, but great in a tiny, tiny, tiny sample size. I think, Ray, I'm a little more optimistic about Corey Davis' impact, possibly in the second half of the season than you are. Well, I mean, there are a couple things here. First, we are assuming he's back after the bye in Week 9. It, they Reporters have said that. Reporters have said that before. There was some hope that he would play in Week 7, and he didn't even practice. He didn't even get in a single practice snap before that game. So we are kind of holding out hope that he's going to play. I don't think that that is assured after the bye. And the other thing is, I mean, there are so many other people. It's the same problem that Corey Davis and Rashard Matthews and Eric Decker had before the season. I mean, Delaney Walker and Rashard Matthews are going to continue to get targets, I believe. And Delaney Walker, that's if Delaney Walker is healthy. You know, we'll see what happens there. But they're going to continue to get targets. Eric Decker has not done much to suggest that he should keep getting targets, but I think he's probably going to be involved as well. You have Taewon Taylor there. You still have Jonu Smith there. (laughs) So I think that, you know, it's just very crowded for targets. And this is a scuffling passing attack. It's not a passing attack that has really exploded this year. So I'm not, I don't see what the opportunity is. I don't see what the upside is. I think if you're taking upside shots on people, I'd rather take an upside shot. We're recording this before Monday night. I'd rather take an right. upside shot on Josh Doxson. Oof. I'd rather take an upside shot on Juju Smith-Schuster. Oof. I better, probably better passing attacks, yeah. maybe even clearer pass the targets. I, I understand what you're, I understand it. And obviously no one loves Corey Davis more than I do. But I, I don't know where that path to target. Probably his mom or, you know, someone in his family might. I don't even know about that. Uh, <laughs> but and it's also, you know, they're in a bye. So he's not going to help you this week. Yeah. This is kind of me just mentioning him to get a little bit of head of the curve if, you know, there are positive reports in the next week or so. Uh, what about Tyler Croft? Tyler Croft went to where in college, Ray? He went to Cincinnati, I believe. No, that's mm-hmm. replays now. Mm-hmm. He went to, where did he go? Mm-hmm. Rutgers. There you go. That's where he went. Your your Google fingers are quick. Uh, no, no, no. I'm I, kidding. I, I, I'm kidding. I know. I kept you honest. I kept you honest. <laughs> Tell me about Tyler Croft. He has, I guess, inherited the, the Tyler Eifert role. Yeah, I mean, Eifert made his fantasy bones in the end zone, and, and Croft has done that as well. He has three touchdowns in the last three games. He has at least one red zone target in each of those contests, and he's also caught at least four passes in every game of that's over that span. So it's not like he's just scoring touchdowns. He's getting the targets. He's averaged over five targets per game. That usage, especially with the touchdown upside we know comes with being a Bengals tight end, that usage is good enough to use in good matchups, and he has a good matchup this week against the Colts. It's not a great week for streaming tight ends with so many teams on by. I actually think Tyler Croft is a really good option this week, hmm. and I'm going to be interested in using him both in my redraft leagues and also, I think, in DFS. And let's close it out, Ray, with deep cuts. Well, I already mentioned one of them. I think Jonu Smith, the rookie tight end from where, Josh Norris? FIU. Florida International. I think that he is a talent. And if Delaney Walker ends up, it kind of looks like Walker's going to be fine after the bye. But if Delaney Walker ends up missing time, I think that Jonu Smith is going to be a very interesting streaming option. We have to talk about Deontay Thompson, who... In his first game with the Bills, shows up and turns four catches into... Leading receiver, Deontay Thompson. <laughs> exactly, 107 yards. I His history suggests that this is a flash in the pan, right? Especially since he played just 21 snaps. But the Bills are desperate, desperate 
for receivers. So someone to keep an eye on. And then at running back, Austin Eckler, which I can't even remember where Austin Eckler, it's Western something, right? Yeah. And I didn't even know he was a real person. Like, obviously, I follow the draft. I somewhat cover the draft. I try to watch, like, 300-plus players a year, including, like, East-West Shrine players, and I have never even heard of Austin Eckler. There he is, and he and he is apparently now the number two running back for the Chargers. You know, Brandon Oliver had been missing time with a hamstring injury, but he was a full participant all last week, was not listed on the final report, was still inactive, suggesting that Eckler is in fact the number two behind Melvin Gordon. He made good use of that role this last week. He had 44 total yards and a touchdown. He has 14 targets in the last four games. Maybe he kind of fills in in that secondary role, almost a Danny Woodhead light, gets some PPR work. So if you're in deep PPR leagues, and then he kind of looks like the handcuff to own right now. So if you're a mm-hmm. Melvin Gordon owner in a deep league, you're worried about handcuffs, he might be a guy you look to. Thank you, Ray. You can check out Ray's. You always make me sound like a child, like it's a tongue twister. Ray's wave a wired column. You could call me. You could call me my given name, Raymond. There you go. Raymond's waiver wired piece go. over at rotoworld.com. Uh, Ray once again hosts the Thursday episode with Rich Rebar and one Nick Menzio, and then I host the Friday with Roto Pat and a tired Evan Silva. So, until then, Ray, thank you, and all of you, thank you for subscribing and for rating. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.